You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey, this is episode number 19 of Excuse me, that's illegal. The podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your hillbilly host, Leroy Luna, coming at you straight out of the closet with a tale from Kentucky. I'm pretty excited for this one. When I think of Kentucky, a few things come to mind. You got the Kentucky Derby, the annual horse race over there, that's pretty cool. Then you got Kentucky Fried Chicken, can't go wrong with that. I just ordered up a big old bucket of chicken from KFC last weekend, actually. Shout out to the Colonel for serving up that greasy goodness. And then I also think of rednecks. Dudes walking around with missing teeth, sporting my favorite hairdo, the mullet. Business at the front, party at the back, baby. I've actually heard of a mullet referred to as a Kentucky waterfall. That might be the best slang term I've heard for it. Honorable mention going to the Boston neck warmer. That one's pretty great too. If you guys know any better ones, slide into my DMs. Love to hear from you. Alright. We're going to tackle a listener joke here, and then we'll get into it. This one comes from Gen Z. She hails from Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, I like this one, too. I'm going to try not to mess it up. Jen says, what is the difference between a dirty bus stop and a lobster with breast implants? A lot of differences, I would imagine. Uh, What's the difference between a dirty bus stop and a lobster with breast implants? Well, you see, one's a crusty bus station, and the other's... A busty crustacean. <laughs> you know what that sound means? Let's cruise these Kentucky streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. And don't worry, my friends. I promise to get you back home quickly to rinse out your mouth. Yeah, this one might leave you with a sore throat.
episode number 19. Chew on this. You ever get a hair in your food? Something I'm sure we've all come across at some point in our lives. Before I sit down to eat a meal, I always give it a once over, quickly examining it for hairs before I dig in. I think I used to do this quite often, even as a child, but now it's become part of my daily routine ever since an experience I had at a restaurant 10 years ago. I was with my wife and a couple of friends. We'd been out all day in an amusement park. Shout out to Canada's Wonderland. Anyways, it was around 6 p.m. and I was starving. I had only eaten a granola bar that morning as we rushed out the door. When we finally made it to a restaurant for dinner, I was so pumped. I think it was Montana's or Outback. Not really sure, but it was a reasonably fancy joint we ended up at. I ordered a nice juicy steak, mashed potatoes, a Caesar salad, and a nice cold brewski to wash it down. Just as I was about to get my grub on, I glanced over at the salad and sitting majestically atop the bed of lettuce, smothered with Caesar dressing and croutons, was a lone, wiry pubic hair. I stared at it for a moment before I'm informing everyone at the table. We all had a laugh, then I dug in and started scarfing down the steak and mashed potatoes, even the salad, being extra careful to eat around that pube. I was too hungry to let something like a little hair stop me. After a few mouthfuls, I looked up because everyone at the table was silent. They were all looking at me in horror and disgust. My wife said, You gonna tell someone? I'm not really a confrontational person, so I kind of just shrugged it off and continued eating. Just then the waiter came over and asked if everything was okay. Everyone looked at me and I said, Yeah, everything's great, except for the pubic hair. The waiter looked at me stunned as I pointed to the salad. He apologized and said he'd get me a fresh one immediately. A fresh salad, not a fresh pube. My wife said, is that it? That's disgusting. You shouldn't have to pay for that. And I didn't. Ended up getting the whole meal for free. I kept picturing the chef reaching down his pants and yanking a hair from down under and sprinkling it atop the salad. But in reality, it was probably nothing that glamorous. The waiter had some hairy forearms, so I'm assuming, hoping, it was just a runaway arm hair. Thankfully, I dodged a bullet that day, narrowly escaping chewing on a short and curly. The texture of it between my teeth alone would have made me gag. I got off easy that day. Unfortunately, as we'll find out shortly, not everyone is that lucky. Okay, today we are headed to the state of Kentucky. Like I said before, there are some stereotypes of uneducated rednecks over there in the south. But of course, not everyone's like that. The truth is, there's a wide variety of people in Kentucky. For example, boxing legend Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, was born and raised in Louisville. Johnny Depp, Edward Scissorhands himself, was born in Owensboro. His mom was actually a waitress named Betty Sue. Okay, that I can picture. Can I interest you in a slice of cherry pie, honey? It's cooling over there on the windowsill. Something like that. And we also have Hollywood hunk George Clooney. He has some Kentucky roots. He was born in Lexington and even attended Northern Kentucky University, majoring in broadcast journalism in the late 70s, early 80s. Did Clooney ever have a mullet? I wonder. He would have rocked the shit out of it for sure if he did. The gentlemen featured in today's story are no George Clooney's. They definitely ain't charming, and they ain't very handsome. Although beauty is in the eye of the beholder. The dudes involved in this one are some good old boys. That's right, I'm going to lean into those stereotypes a little today, because, well, 
It's fun. Kentucky is a fairly big state, so let's narrow down the area here. Today we are headed to Lawrenceburg, which is a small city in Anderson County. According to a 2010 census, the population in Lawrenceburg was 10,505. Pretty small, but by the sounds of it, a decent place to live. Neighborhoodscout.com gives it a 55 on the crime index. It's safer than 55% of U.S. cities. And although it's got a small-town country vibe, it has everything you need. The residents are known for being friendly, and heck, they even have a Walmart supercenter. If you have a giant retail chain like Walmart, you're doing okay in my books. It's also home to the Wild Turkey Distillery, where they make some of the finest Kentucky bourbon. You can take tours there, sample the merchandise, there's a gift shop. It's definitely a must-see if you're in the area. Wow, I'm really talking up the place. Don't worry, I'm not going to offer you timeshares in Lawrenceburg. Just giving you the lay of the land. Trust me, we'll get into a very hairy situation soon enough. But first, I'm going to introduce you to the key players in this incident before it's about to go down. There's four of these country boys. First, we have Harvey and Joseph Westmoreland. They're brothers, and we'll start with them. We're going to call them the good guys. I use that term loosely because they also no doubt have some flaws, but they are the victims in this situation. There are some great quotes from older brother Harvey, who's 41 and was interviewed by Lex18 News, which we'll get into. And the interview is fantastic. Harvey is a big boy. He towers over the lady interviewing him. I'm not sure of his exact height, but it'd be safe to say he's over six feet, and he has to be tipping the scales at more than 300 pounds. He's a big burly dude. His face, though, he kind of looks like Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys, if you know him. He has thick Coke bottle glasses, a decent-sized beard, just a massive face, though, huge head. And resting atop that huge head is a tiny black hat that reads Southern Style on the front and the brim has the confederate flag on it so yeah he's a good old boy that's for sure he's wearing his finest duds because you know that's what you do when you're going to be on the tv he's wearing a massive plain blue t-shirt and he has it tucked into a pair of faded black jogging pants with white stripes going down the sides he cleans up real nice this guy is a treat and a sight to behold and that's harvey in a nutshell he'll be our main character here there were no pictures of younger brother Joseph. He's 33. But hey, I'm sure he doesn't look all that much different than his big bro. After all, they come from the same soiled gene pool. And that, my friends, is the Westmoreland brothers. Now moving on to the bad guys. We'll start with James Hill. James is 51 years old. He has a shaggy salt and pepper beard with unkempt hair, glasses, and just an empty look in his eyes. He's got the thousand yard stare. Not a whole lot going on in his head. In one of the comment sections, someone said he looked like George Lucas, creator of the Star Wars and Indiana Jones franchises. They're not too far off. Inbred George Lucas. That's James Hill. Then we have his buddy and leader of the two bad boys, Troy Holt. Troy has a permanent frown on his face and a double chin. Bit of a baby face, but at the same time, you can tell he's got a mean streak in him. And that's our key players. I think that's enough foreplay here. I've set the stage, so let's plow into this one. Sometime in May of 2009, on a hot Kentucky afternoon, Joseph is over at Troy Holt's home on Willisburg Road in Anderson County. It's a farmhouse. He's got a big, beautiful brown barn there. There's a pig pen off to the side. 
or maybe that's for cows, I'm not sure. I ain't a farmer. Anyways, Troy's got a good chunk of property here, and Joseph is giving him a hand maintaining it. Troy's hooking him up, paying him to do some odd jobs around the place. You know how it is. They're not best friends, but friends nonetheless. Scratching each other's backs, helping each other out, and after a long day of work, Troy's invited his buddy James over, and they're having themselves a little get-together. That's when they decide to give Joseph's brother, Harvey, a call. Well, let's hear Harv talk about this situation. I have some quotes from him. So here we go with our first Brother Harvey quote. My brother was cleaning out the stalls out there for Troy, you know, working for him. And uh, they call on me to come around there. And well, when I get there, I realize that they was already drunk. End quote. Harvey says this with a nervous smile. So he gets over there and the drinks are flowing. These guys look like they enjoy the hard stuff. No doubt some fine Kentucky bourbon and having themselves a great time. That's when Troy starts talking to Harv about the riding lawnmower that he was purchasing from him, and things will go from 1 to 100 real quick. This riding lawnmower, I guess I should talk about it a bit. It ain't much to look at, really. It's small and red, kind of rusty, and the treads on the tires are balding. More from Big Brother Harv. Quote, Troy offered to buy it from me for $250. I paid 20 bucks for it. He thought I was trying to cheat him. Well, one thing led to another, before I knowed it, there was knives and guns and everything just went haywire. End quote. I gotta add that Troy later claimed that they were fighting over a woman. I tend to believe Harv because he just seems more trustworthy, and he was somewhat sober. And if you saw these guys, I think you'd agree that a lawnmower is far more believable than a lady. Okay, so things get hostile quick. There were punches thrown, and Troy and James got the better of the Westmoreland brothers and took control of the situation. The brothers are pretty big dudes, so weapons were needed to keep them at bay. They cornered the men in the barn, and James was keeping them back with a sickle blade. These things always scare me. It's like some kind of weapon you'd see in a horror movie, or that the Grim Reaper carries around. A sickle blade is used to cut the stalks of plants. It's got a wooden handle and a long, sharp, curved blade, almost like a boomerang. While James stood back with the sickle, Big Dog Troy went to town and, according to court documents, he pulled out a pocket knife and went to town on both men's shirts, tearing them up, and even held a knife to each of their throats. This was serious stuff. Brother Harv later said, quote, I was actually in fear for my life, and I was in fear for my brother's life. Troy was uttering threats, you know, telling them he was going to kill him. Then he got creative. He grabbed Big Harv and went full Mr. Blonde in Reservoir Dogs. One of the greatest movie scenes of all time, in my opinion. Only instead of cutting Harvey's ear off, he started pulling and tugging and cutting off his beard. Big Harv recalled the moment saying, quote, I remember it pulling. I'd say it pulled out as much as he cut off. After butchering him, that's when Troy did the unthinkable. He force-fed Harvey his own beard. That's right, he made him open up and just stuffed it in his mouth. What a degrading act. I mean, you should never cut off another man's beard. That's crossing a line right there. Harv was later asked by the Herald Leader, a newspaper that was interviewing him. They asked him what it was like to eat his beard. This is the kind of hard-hitting journalism I like to hear. Harv said, quote, Well, did you ever chew on a sponge? That'd be about what it'd be like. End quote. No, Harv, I haven't. Have you? I mean, I guess we'll have to take his word for it, 
but maybe he means a steel wool sponge, like a wiry one. Because that just doesn't make sense. A regular kitchen sponge is soft and foamy as opposed to sharp, wiry, puby beard hairs. Maybe eating toothbrush bristles or something like that? That would make more sense. Uh, the whole thing's strange. It's his own beard, so I guess it's not that gross, but... Yeah, he should have fed it to his brother. That would have been better. <laughs> the part that I can't stomach is having to swallow it. Imagine the sharp pain in your throat swallowing like a hundred bristly little beard hairs. I think I'd puke. I guess more than anything, though, this was just Alpha Troy asserting his dominance. He should have humped his leg or peed on him after. When Troy talked about the incident later on in court, he claimed Harvey had actually been the one to threaten him and that he doesn't take threats very lightly. Harvey disputed that claim, admitting that while he is a convicted felon, that's in his past. And he said, quote, I'm not even allowed to have a gun. I ain't even touched a gun in, I'd say, 15 years. Troy later mentioned he drank a lot and things got out of hand. Then admitted, quote, I ain't got no excuses about what I done. When this strange encounter was over, Harvey and his bro Joseph, his brosif, they were degraded, dominated, and defeated. Troy and James let them go, but made sure to utter one last threat. They said if they called the police, they would not live to see daylight. So the brothers left, and what's the first thing they do when they get home? Come up with a plan for revenge? Nah, they called 911 and let the police deal with it. Probably the best idea. Harvey later said that he believes in the law and that justice will be served. So what kind of justice was served up? Well, the men actually got off pretty easy considering the circumstances. An NBC News article summed it up nicely with their headline, reading, They avoided prison by a whisker. You know I'm a sucker for a cheesy pun. James Hill and Troy Holt were sentenced in Anderson Circuit Court about a year and a half after the incident, on Tuesday, November 16, 2010. The charges against both gentlemen were to be dismissed as long as they stayed out of trouble with the law for the next five years. Well, five years for Troy and four years for James. Not bad. Not bad at all. So they basically just got probation, and they have to stay away from the Westmoreland brothers. Fair enough. Shouldn't be too hard. They got off easy considering the potential charges were unlawful imprisonment, misdemeanor assault, and terroristic threatening, which could have resulted in some serious jail time. Asked his thoughts on the matter, after all was said and done, Big Harve said, There's no hard feelings. I mean, I ain't gonna speak to him, and they better not pull in my driveway. Good for him. I guess they were friends at one point and had over a year and a half to cool off. Things just got heated that one night and it is what it is. Then Harv went on to say his final quote. Hit us with it, Harv. I wish it hadn't ever happened, to tell you the truth. But I don't wish neither of them ill will. I don't wish them no harm. I hope they have a good Thanksgiving and a good Christmas and a happy New Year. End quote. Wow, Big Harv really softened at the end. Like there might be potential to rekindle that friendship one day. Couple thoughts. I wonder what happened to the riding lawnmower. If they ever finalized the transaction. How long did it take Harv's beard to get back to full form? There's some questions I would have loved to ask Harvey Westmoreland. I searched him up on Facebook and saw a couple of accounts. I don't think they were legit. One was from Russia. The profile pic was Harvey's face from his news interview. No other pics of him. That was a red flag. Under his name it said, I love working on old things and cracking beers in the PM. Interests include bowling, baking, and working out. Yeah, probably not him. 
The other one had his dopey face from the interview and his last name was spelt wrong. Which, hey, uh, he's not the most intelligent dude, but I mean, come on. I realized I insulted him quite a bit throughout this story. All of the guys involved, really. So I would have had to clean that up a bit. And that's just something I wasn't willing to do. If these guys tracked me down, no doubt they'd have me hogtied, chewing on my beard, squealing like a pig, and who knows what else. One thing that I cannot confirm, but found interesting, was a comment under the interview of Harvey on YouTube. There's actually a lot of mean comments. One guy says he's got the smallest mouth I've ever seen. <laughs> Which he does, wow. I didn't realize that till now. He's got a pretty little mouth. Some guy says Kentucky beards must be high in calories. Another says, looks like he was forced to eat everything else as well. Man, people are cruel, especially on the internet. I hope Harv doesn't read the comments. Poor guy. Alright, here it is. And this comment is from 2019, so 10 years after the incident. Jay Smith says, Wow, I know all these people personally. They are friends again, if I'm not mistaken. What a crazy story, though. I can't wait to see Troy tomorrow. It's hilarious. I sincerely hope that comment's legit and those boys are all buddies again. That was a crazy incident, but definitely one that you could share a laugh about on a quiet Kentucky night while sipping on a smooth glass of bourbon. And on that peaceful note, we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 19. Chew on this. Let's dedicate this episode to Big Harv. I'm going to pour one out tonight for his beard rest in peace. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer, the operator for providing the sweet, sweet theme music, and my boo for editing this episode. I enjoyed hanging out in Kentucky for this one. It was nice. And the Kentuckiness ain't stopping here. So let's get into our final segment of the show, which features a special guest. Let's get criminal, criminal. I wanna get criminal. What's up, guys? This is Kent Chungus from True Crime Kent. It is my understanding that Leroy here is doing an episode on some Kentucky shenanigans. And I have some shenanigans of my own. When I was about 9 or 10 years old, I was visiting with my grandparents one day, and my dad dabbled in the mind-altering substances from time to time. And by that, I mean most of the time. And he didn't really have a home. He just kind of crashed everywhere. And sometimes, like, his home base was my grandparents. So me and my little childhood friend there one time where my grandparents lived on the lake. So we were running around down in the lake, probably about, I'd say it was during a drought. So the, the lake water had receded a bit. We were running around in there chasing a fish called shad up onto the bank, like little white trash children tend to do in that area. And then you just let them back loose. It's just the, it's just the the excitement of getting to see it out of water and then putting it back in the water. That's that's what we didn't have an Xbox, so that's what we did. Anyways, we went through what they call cattails and uh, went through a big clearing of cattails and and it kind of opened up and in a bucket were these beautiful plants, just these way down at the you know at the lake in this thick thicket of cattails. We found a clearing and then a bucket with some plants in it. And I was like, "Wow, this is this is really interesting. Look at this." So we broke some of the some of the plants off and we were like, "We're going to show Papa. Let's take it up there and show Papa." So me and my little buddy there, we marched up the hill up to the house where my father was smoking a cigarette on the carport. 
And he promptly stopped us and he said, what do y'all got? And we're like, we were down there chasing fish up on the bank and we found some buckets with plants in them. And we're going to show Papa all these plants. And dad was like, do you find him down there in them fucking cattails? And we were like, yeah. And he's like, well, take them back down there because whoever planted them, they don't want you breaking them and leave them alone. And it turns out that they were my father's beautiful flowers. And as you probably already suspected, it was weed. <laughs> wow. Plot twist at the end there. I thought the flowers were going to be petunias. Anyways, that was my buddy Kent, host of True Crime Kent, an amazing podcast that's quickly becoming one of my favorites. As you just witnessed, Kent is a funny dude and a great storyteller. His new podcast is co-hosted by The Operator, who is also just a national treasure. Even my brother Jack Luna shows up on this podcast from time to time as well. Each episode is a unique experience. These guys are the best. And they specialize in something I call involuntary laughter. They can get you to laugh at literally anything, even if you don't want to. They'll just pull it right out of you, which is truly a special talent. So please check this one out. You won't be disappointed. But I'll let Kent tell you a little more about it in a moment, and I'll throw a link in the show notes for you. As for myself, I will be coming back at you in another 10 days with more mediocre mayhem. Peace. Take it away, Kent. Hello. Hi. True Crime Kent here. Uh, Now, I know what you're thinking. Man, I wish more straight white dudes would start a true crime podcast. Their voice just isn't represented enough in this community. Well, I've got good news for you. I'm straight as hell, whiter than Moby, and I sound like Larry the Cable Guy had a one-night stand with Dolly Parton in True Crime Kent. We'll do deep dives into what most would consider the otter examples of true crime. John Wayne Bobbitt and his missing schmeckle. Carl Tanzler and his obsession with a corpse. Or how about that time a man from Colorado welded two tons of steel to a bulldozer and then used it as a chaos machine to bring his town to its knees. Yep, we've covered it. We made fun of it. We came, we saw, we ate burritos. Hell, we got hate mail. So join me and my trusty co-host, the operator of 911 Calls fame, and let's go down a smelly, blood-filled rabbit hole together. This... This right here is True Crime Kent. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.